1948, you know, they had uh, a war there where they only had four kibbutzim at the time. And uh, they killed everybody, basically the Arabs. But there was a bunker that uh, these folks would go into when, in fact, they were in trouble. So they play an hour-long movie showing you the history of how Gush Etzion, these other communities, came into existence back in the 1940s. They've been attacked and destroyed twice. They've had to resettle in those areas twice, but they've done it successfully. Now it's a beautiful community. But they actually, at the end of the movie, the movie screen gnome goes to the top of the ceiling and on the ground, just below the seats, we are watching the movie, this kind of door opens up, and that is the actual bunker these people were in back in 1948. They all died, but that was the bunker they were in wow. escaping the Arabs. Is that intense? Yeah, that is very intense. And it's just a beautiful area. I imagine you saw sort of the mountaintops. Oh, and, gorgeous. Yeah. We went through Efrat, all the mountaintops. I mean, it is a gorgeous area. And they rely a lot in that area on agriculture. And what uh, these folks told us, too, was while the Arabs are not killing people every day, like they did in the south back on October the 7th, they set fires to all the, uh, you know, the plants and the fields because Israel does export a lot of that stuff. And almost every day there's a case of arson where the Arabs are hurting the Israelis in that way. So people have no idea back home, Jewish people, what these people do every day in a bunch of different cities and towns all across Israel to protect their land. They love their land. You know, we think we love New York. Oh, we love New York. Curtis, he loves New York, no doubt about it. He's out at Rikers Island last night. He's on the subways. He's making hay. He loves New York. A lot of us that say we love New York, we don't do anything to prove it other than live there. We live here. We go to Nick Games. We love it. You don't love it. Take a gun, go out there every single day, and make sure your neighbor is safe. That's a person that loves it. You see what I'm saying, Noam? Yeah. Well, you know, depend, again, it's all politics, right? It also boils down to politics. Some people would call those people patriots, right? Others don't think that way about them. They think they're making things worse for Israel. No, so they're not. They're, they are yeah. not. I mean, again, you got to be here to see what they deal with every day, the constant threat. The constant violence from throwing a rock to raping and murdering like they did back on October the 7th. This is not, it is not, um, a matter of, um, I guess, uh, what I'm looking for is perception. It's not perception. It is a reality. And when you come here and you get to learn exactly what Israel goes through every day, you will find a whole new appreciation and really probably know them get much more angry with Joe Biden, Anthony Blinken, Lloyd Austin, John Kirby, all these ass munches that are in charge of protecting the United States, helping out allies like Israel around the world. Now we've got three American soldiers dead in Jordan. And I heard all the audio played this morning from John Kirby and everybody else. The president's going to respond, and he'll do it in his way. Well, what in God's name is his way? And what has Joe Biden done once? in his 40-plus year political career where, quote-unquote, his way has been effective. Can you tell me no? Mm, I'd have to think about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Think long and hard. What do you mean he's going to do it in his way? Well, come on. You know, of course, this is the deal is, you know, it's so volatile in the Middle East. Anytime you respond, you're opening up these avenues to other things happening. And so, for sure, it doesn't matter what administration's in power. you got to be careful about how you do respond. 
That's true, but you want somebody up there with confidence, somebody tough. You know, I don't think the response would be incredibly different if Donald Trump is back in office. But when he looks at you, when he's there on television, and he tells you they're going to pay for this, someone's going to die, he would say that, you feel better. And that matters. Yes, we're not inside the war room. We're not sitting there with Lloyd Austin and Joe Biden or Donald Trump and his people. But when you rule with power, when you're tough, when you at least seem to care, it means a lot. And that is the huge difference between Donald Trump and the guys in power right now. Are you going to argue that? No, I, I think what's been awfully interesting is you haven't heard from him. You haven't heard from the president. Just those moments when he was on the campaign trail when he was first told about the attack, and it was barely audible, and since then, nothing. It's all been people speaking for the president. That is true. You're right. And of course, he's out there campaigning. I don't want to say he's too, he's too busy because I would not use that excuse for a Democrat, so that's fair in Nevada and, of course, on his way to South Carolina after very impressive efforts in both Iowa and, um, and New Hampshire, but you're right. He has not been over the top by any stretch. Not a lot coming out of Donald Trump about this, but again, we are here today. We were here yesterday. We'll be here through Friday. Friday's our big day. Friday morning. We're not on the air, but we're going down south. We're going to see those kibbutzim and, of course, the Nova Music Festival that was attacked back on October the 7th, where all these Israelis were not just killed, but just treated so inhumane, just the raping and the murders, throwing babies in ovens, live babies, uh, cutting off soldiers' heads, cutting out the eyes of little kids. That's what happened back then, and that's where we're going coming up on Friday. So.